0: Round two with Coley and Kavanaugh talking about the results of the USDA report, the June planting and stocks report. And David, you know, it's pretty interesting when we take a look state by state, a real story to be told there. Let's start out with corn.
1: Sure. Here you are on percentage changes for the corn in North Dakota, down 16.7%. You know, they kept saying we can't plant, it's too wet. In South Dakota, down 4.8%. But to John's credit, where did they increase the corn acres? They increased them in Minnesota, up 6.4%. They followed John's advice. And Wisconsin planted 8.1% more. Only one other state really had a big cut. And that was Arkansas down 5.3% on the corn acres. It surprises me that the corn acres were that much higher in Minnesota. What do you think about that, John?
2: That is kind of confusing. Uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin was up that much because all the other states, you know, they didn't increase as much as I thought they were. Why that worked in Minnesota and Wisconsin, I can't answer that. Maybe the weather was very favorable at the right times. Of course, obviously, I uh, was surprised that the corn acres in total were not up more as profitable as corn was going. And you're certainly right. That had to do with the bankers. I can't explain the exception in Minnesota. But I guess you have to ask yourself, what happened to those acres of corn in the Dakotas that did not get planted? Did they end up getting switched to soybeans or were they completely lost
1: and going just all going to go to prevent plant? They did. We dropped 15.7% on the soybean acres in North Dakota. We dropped three and a half billion acres in South Dakota on the percentage. But look at this. Minnesota did cut back. They followed your theory. They dropped 6.3 acres and Wisconsin dropped 2.2 acres percentages. And on the Missouri beans, they're up 3.1. So, the, the big point I want to stress here is that look at Illinois. They went for beans, John, in a big, big way. They've got a, a pound sign here, which means a new record high. 11.2 million acres were planted on the bean acres in Illinois. What does that mean, folks? It means that Illinois beat Iowa 10.3. That's the ground zero right now, is to try and get these acreage changes into input so we can see what those other states are missing. But look at Illinois. They went for beans. You've got to watch the weather in Illinois. That's one of the states I thought for sure would increase their corn acres versus the March intentions because they
2: had their weather the last half of May was really favorable for planting. And with the corn price being so high, I thought for sure they would shift to more corn acres and they didn't. They actually went to more soybean acres and I'll attribute that to the bankers. But is that all of it? I I don't know. That one just uh, loses me because corn prices and the economics favored planting corn yeah so obviously the high input cost the fertilizer cost was the reason that uh, that they didn't do the corn that's clear but why did that happen more in illinois than any of the other
1: states but let's look at indiana ohio because that's our backyard and that's there's a mystery here because the bean acres are down eight tenths of a percent on soybeans But they're unchanged on corn. We were so wet that we actually lost acres for corn and beans. And on Ohio, it was up 1.5% on the corn acres. But on the bean acres, it was down 2.9%. So the same thing happened there. What happened to these acres? Were they going to do cover crops? Well, the government and futures analysis, well, they put those acres back in at some point. I think there's a good chance of that because of the delayed planting, because a lot of corn was planted, I feel, after they surveyed the corn acres in Indiana. Ohio. So that's what your mystery is. I believe so.
0: So, David, do you think then that when this August report comes out and resurveying, obviously, for the northern Plains states and Minnesota, that they'll go, oh, look. Indiana's getting a little, so we might see those numbers actually come into that report as well?
1: I think so, because they have to look at the ground zero, which we know is the Dakotas and Minnesota. But I think they're going to look at the Indiana numbers. Hey, hey guys, you know, Washington, you need to pay attention to what happened in Ohio and Indiana too. But there was an effect there. We really need to focus on this and get a good handle on it. I'm going to look at this very, very closely when the August numbers come out.
0: Yeah. You know, one of the things that I'm thinking is, is that the drought monitor update out on Thursday calls for expanding drought across Much of the top 18 corn-growing states, as I mentioned, so you know this rain that's moving through right now, even if it's really, really good rain—I mean, you know, two, three-inch kind of rain—with drought on the backside of it, or at least extremely hot and dry conditions expected after these rains come through. Even if acres are planted, and particularly if any that got planted late in June uh, may be struggling a little. Uh, after they emerge, going to be hot, dry weather after that. So we still might have some difficulties. John, one of the things that you have talked about so much in the past has been stocks to use ratios. Uh, you know, as I'm looking at these stocks reports, I'm thinking, wonder if the equation, the stocks to use equation changes at this point, because I'm getting the idea that um, traders are taking at least part of the day on Friday to, uh, you know, refigure that.
2: The uh, overriding factor that we got to pay attention to—it's tight historically for both corn and soybeans. Now the USDA has got the corn carryover at 1.44 billion, and you know that's modestly comfortable. But the analysts who are looking at usage— granted, our export demand has kind of fallen back some. Right. But when you start looking at the numbers, it still projects a number tighter than that 1.44. And that gets your stocks-to-use ratio tighter. And if we don't have a trend line or or better yield, we're going to get extremely tight this coming year. So I I just want to emphasize that these overall, our stocks-to-use ratios are historically very tight for corn and
1: soybeans, and we don't have room for air. Can I go back to the weather? Because I saw some maps on Friday that really shocked me. Everybody's been talking about all the rain they got in Iowa, Illinois, and Missouri. You know, we zeroed out here. But I looked at some actual precipitation maps that showed how much rain was received. And I'll tell you what, the driest areas of Illinois and Iowa did not get an abundance of rain. A few areas did. It was pretty small. But the driest areas are still dry, their moisture deficit, and they didn't get enough rain to change that moisture deficit. So here's my point. We have to have rain going forward. We have rain in the forecast. But I feel very strongly this rain has to emerge and it has to continue through July, and the temperatures have to stay down. If not, it will play havoc, I think, with our corn, and ultimately our soybean yields in August. We just have to see what that is going forward.
0: I wanted to go to a feed usage because, David, you and I had talked about the fact that China had cut back their hog herd, did a pretty good job this past week buying beef from us, but uh, not really much pork. But talk about feed demand for just a second because it seems like that has percolated up in conversations recently about, okay, well, you know, this stocks-to-use thing, how's the feed demand going to factor into that?
1: Yeah, because the cattle and feed numbers really didn't surprise us here in June, but the pig crop numbers were a little bit friendlier because we did see lesser numbers for both all hogs and kept for market and kept for breeding. And the other side of the coin here is if you look toward China, Their bean meal supplies exploded over there because they are cutting back their hog, Kirk. They originally mentioned that they're going to cut it back by like 3% or 4%. It came out a cut of 8%, so that going forward implies they're going to have greater feed demand. But the thing that really struck me as I looked at the top states for hog production, and guess where Indiana is? Iowa is your top state, of course. Minnesota is your second largest. North Carolina is the third largest. The fourth largest, Illinois. And guess where, Indiana? It's, we're the fifth largest state on hog production and increasing hog production here. I'll tell you, I'll give all the credit I can to these new uh, packing facilities in Michigan and the one here in Indiana is still going on. It seems like we're featuring hog production here and I'm really excited about that
0: okay with so much focus today on the report that came out on this past week John I'm betting that we forgot a whole ton of stuff so getting the last words probably an easy call this week.
2: Yeah, it is. The most important thing going on right now, get rid of all the noise, you know, the acres and all this. The only thing that counts over the next six weeks, of course, is going to be how much precipitation we get to at the bulk of the Midwest. I'm going to first focus locally, northern Indiana, because this is where we're talking to uh, people mostly in northern Indiana. If we're going to look at the month of June in South Bend, normal precipitation is four inches. They got 2.2. That was the 39th driest in history. Fort Wayne, normal is 4.3 inches, and Fort Wayne got 3.3 inches. That was the 56th driest in history. Oh, but look at what happens in the last two weeks of June. June 14 to June 29, South Bend got three-tenths of an inch of rain, Ouch. and normal is 2.1. Ninth driest in history. Fort Wayne, even worse, got 0.23 inches of rain, and normal is 2. Three, so we only got a tenth of what's normal, and that was the seventh driest in what? history. Got drier after the derecho. I hate to say this, but right now, when you talk about dry areas, Indiana and northern Indiana are right there near the top. Now it's still early; yet we got weather coming up, don't crowd all the noise. And remember, it's the weather, particularly during pollination, which is going to start in a few weeks. You can attribute probably 80% of the yield to what the weather is during those three to four weeks of pollination. And that's coming up in a couple of weeks. So that's what you want to focus on, people. That's what's going to make or break the market.
0: Thanks, guys. How many trust that the current collection of politicians in D.C. understand the issues for farmers surrounding the waters of the U.S.? Yeah, not many. They just don't have a clue about some of the things that are proposed that will have an impact on farming and farm families. But that's why we have the Farm Bureau, probably one of the best organizations to share the voice of farm families all across the U.S. So support your Farm Bureau with a membership. That's where it starts, right here in your local county. Support your local county Farm Bureau with that membership by simply going online to itpaystobeamember.org.